0: 7.55 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty it is on the air now. Welcome back to 7.55 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, as usual, Eric O'Flaherty. It's been a while, Eric. What's up, man? Not much. How are you hanging? Good. It seems like only yesterday. The yeah, Braves were celebrating. But it's actually been, what, close to a month? Yeah, it's been a month. It's been about a month. Yeah. Wow. Um... I think it's a shame. Well, let's go ahead and introduce. We got a very special guest today. Uh, you guys know him. You love him. The great Dale Murphy. Murph, what's going on, man?
1: Oh, hi, David. No, just getting ready for Christmas. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Thanks <laughs> for having me on. Buddy.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I always wonder how, like, having Eric on here, we talked about, you know, what, it, and we had Kelly Johnson on here. We talked about what it means when the team goes does so well for guys, for what they say, alum, alumni. And I can imagine for a guy who is so identified with a team, what it must've been like for you to see the Braves march to the world series after all these years to win it all again.
1: Wow. I mean, where do you start with this year? What, uh, yeah, I think a number of people on, on social media have have said, if there there was ever going to be a a movie made, uh, this, this would be a, this would be a great one. It was, it was storybook. Uh, and, I think a lot of us uh, alumni, my age, you know, had a connection with with Brian and Ronnie Sniffer. Yeah. So, so that you know, it, it just was. Uh, he's easy to. <laughs> it, it is an easy team to pull for, and uh, great personalities. Uh, just everything clicked, got hot at the right moment. But I, I think my like my connection really is is Brian Sniffer. I mean, it was just. You know, he's, he's just so fun. Uh, I remember when it was just, uh, it was, uh, oh, it's when I threw out the first pitch actually in the, in the Dodgers series. But, uh, you know, I go over there and security as is, is you guys know is like unreal. Yeah. And they're going, Hey, Murph, we're just warning you. You can't go in the dugout. You, no one is allowed in the dugout. So, you know, they're going to cut the coaches will come up and say, hi to you. I said, Hey, yeah, no problem. So. I'm just sitting there saying hi to the coaches and and Snick goes, "Hey, is that your son Jake and his wife over there?" and I think he's met Jake, a, you know, a couple times. I I go, "Yeah, that's Jake. They they were just over uh, you know, by the box seats and and uh Jake goes, Jake goes, "You know, Brian Snicker came over to talk to us and he just I he said Jake said I was getting kind of uncomfortable because I I figured there's something he must be have to go do. He just, yeah, yeah, he spent yeah. <laughs> so much time, he spent yeah. so much time with us. And uh, it was just so nice, a little gesture like that, Brian Snicker. But, you know, he has that personality that endears you to him. The guys love to play for him. That's that's the kind of personality you need to lead through the ups and downs. Is is uh, And he, he's got it. So, you know, we go back so, so many years. If you were in the Braves organization, I mean, Bob Horner texted me. He goes, this is this is unreal, man. I'm going crazy. So, you know, that 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 was a fun connection for sure.
0: Yeah, that was that example you set, you cited of Snit. That's that's the way he is because there'll be times well we'll be waiting for him, a post-game interview or you know, whenever we're we're gonna get him. And he'll be five, ten minutes late because he's doing something like that. He thinks nothing of he will not pull himself away from someone. If it's someone he knows and someone he, he, you know, the personal thing to him is so much more important than anything else, and he won't be rude and say tell somebody you know, or shorten a conversation to get over to an interview with us or whatever. So you know, he's got his priorities straight. You know, yeah, I mean? the, uh, the human relationships is no, is most important to him, and that's why he's well, yeah, so I so good, yeah. that's why he's so yeah, good running I, I, the
1: team. Yeah, it is, and and you know, I get to speak a lot, and it's just so applicable. Uh, or applicable. How do you say that? I always say that wrong. Uh, I think it's
0: both, I think it's both ways are used. It's your choice. Okay. (laughs) I like applicable, but uh, either applicable, either applies. applies. (laughs) Okay. No matter what you're doing,
1: work, family, professional baseball, you know, when, whatever group you're part of, uh, you know, helping motivate people is, is about your relationship with people. It's not about the money that people are making. Uh, certainly, that's a motivation. But ultimately, the the best uh, you know uh, a motivator is a relationship between your leader. And, yeah, uh, for sure. You know, and and Eric, you you played for for good ones. Uh, I, I don't know if you played. I, I hate to say bad ones because they're you know if they're major league managers, they're good. Less they're, good ones. They're, they're, yeah. <laughs> but there's just some guys you click with. I click every, you know, everybody kind of clicks with Smith, Bobby Cox. I clicked with Joe Torrey and uh and he went on to, you know, uh, be a, a, a great manager and leader. I, I I just gotta share this one story. I've been I've been sharing it a lot, is uh, Tyler Mats said we just go to, you know, he puts our he puts his trust in us, putting us out there again. And we just try to go out there and earn that trust. And uh, you know, because midway through the season, everybody was taking a lot of heat. Yeah. And 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 SNITs just keep putting them out there, putting yep. them out there, you know, and uh never and pulling they, fingers. Right. And they just gelled. And uh that's what kept them, kept them together, you know, is SNIT is is the personality and the the ability as a leader to, to keep a team cohesive during really tough times. I
0: easy. would think no more than no more so than with the pitching staff, right? Eric, I mean, a bullpen, it could be so right. easy for things to turn south in a bullpen. If the manager doesn't show the trust in them and the, and the uh, belief in them mismanages them, doesn't handle them, right points, fingers at them, that kind of thing. I could see something where that group, which is, which is by itself during the game where things could turn south. But if you have a guy like Snit, they want to you know run through a wall for like Matzik always says, you know then uh then that's that's key man to get to, 100, to six months
2: yeah yeah i mean i had i had plenty of managers that when they handed you the ball that like mark mike hargrove used to always tell me you know it's it's you versus him give me your best stuff and we'll see what happens you know something kind of along those lines he'd hand me the ball kind of firm i had another manager that would i could tell he didn't feel confident bringing me in but he'd just kind of be like well you go and just kind of hand me the ball and look away and start walking off and be like you know shit I don't I don't feel too you don't feel as good you know with that motivation but I think probably the best thing um Snit did was stick with Will Smith toward the end of the season yeah when he was really struggling and everybody wanted him to you know maybe have Luke Jackson or Matzik or somebody else step into that role for a little bit but Snit saw the value in if Will Smith can get through this period right here and be locked in for the playoffs, now we got a closer for the playoffs. If you start playing that guessing game where every time a guy struggles, you throw somebody else in the role, it puts so much more pressure on everybody else that, you know, you wind up having this, this, this complete turnover every time somebody struggles and and guys will really fall into a spot where they're second guessing themselves when they come into a game and worried about losing their role. So I thought that was the best thing he did. And it, and it played huge dividends in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I thought it played, and I thought that had a huge effect, not just on the bullpen, but the entire team, to see the confidence that Snit showed in Will Smith. If if Will Smith was going to go down, Snit was going down with him. You know, I mean, he was like, I'm not going to I'm not going to bail on this guy and get in panic and 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 uh, concede to all those who want to, you know, like me, who I wrote that, uh, you know, yeah. he should make a he should make a change. I wrote that. And and then will proceeded to have that game in San Diego, where after that, he just gave up nothing. He got out of that bases loaded situation with no outs. And after that, it was night and day. I mean, the rest of the season. So down the stretch when it was needed most in the regular season and then throughout the postseason, the guy was just lights out.
2: And that's the game so, he needed was that game right there where, yeah. you know, everything could all fall apart. His back was against the wall. He dug deep and got out of it and he rode from there.
0: He went with, and he, he stuck with smiley earlier in the year too, in in a rotation, he stuck with smiley and smiley reeled off that month where he was the best starter on the team. You know, yeah. where they wouldn't, you know, he was really important there for over a month. Mm-hmm. That's it's
1: just so interesting to hear you talk about these things because, uh, Eric, I'd imagine in a bullpen, you guys talk a little bit down there too. Oh yeah, yeah. You know,
2: you <laughs> and, know the managers that are that are kind of guessing or getting nervous, yeah. hitting that panic Ab- button for sure. A-
1: absolutely, the great, great Whitey Herzog. You know, it's just like he made he made, he now he had the tools, but he when when you're looking at the other side and this manager is making every right move, it's 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 really a challenge. And when the manager starts making moves not only the bullpen starts talking, but everybody starts talking. Then you start, it, it snowballs. But oh, his, uh, Yeah, and it can go south in such a hurry. But I, I think the Will Smith, uh, David, what you said there, he was going to go down with Will Smith. A manager, that, that's the crux of a manager's yep. life and decision because it, it – uh, a manager has to trust people that his job depends on <laughs> yeah and a lot of managers do not like to do that
3: yeah they no, want exactly. to be
1: the guy they want to be the guy that made the change and yeah. then they then they can't get second guessed
2: that's how a lot manage is is to answer questions
1: yeah yeah it's like no will smith was struggling what did you expect me to do right you know uh, right. and then and then the, the easy the, take the easy route the managers off the hook
3: yeah
1: and uh you know i think bobby cox was almost loyal to a fault yep. early mm-hmm. early in his career i mean he stuck with guys he stuck with guys and and uh but over the course of a career it pays off because it's like no i i see what i see my pitching coach is telling me what you know, Will Smith is going to be okay, you know? And so we're sticking with them and boy, when you start playing that game of moving everybody around because your job's on the line and, and it's a, it's a hard position to be as a manager, boy, not panicking and having trust in, in, in your guys. Wow. That's, you know, cause you're the guy that gets fired. Yes. You're the guy that gets yeah. fired. And, I- uh, uh, it's a really interesting, uh, example and exercising leadership
0: i think that i think that dynamic it uh is why in today's game where so many teams are hiring young managers that are that know that they're going to listen to what the front office and the analytics people want them to do there's 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 a plus to that obviously but there's a big negative to that in that a guy with the gravitas of bobby cox or a guy with like snit who's at the point of his career who doesn't give a shit if you're gonna fire me I don't have to have this job. I love this job, but I don't have to have it. I will be glad to walk off and play with my grandkids for the rest of my life. I'm fine. I've done enough. Yeah. So a guy who's right. got that or with like Bobby Cox, who just had so much, so much gravitas and future hall of Famer, And everybody knew it. Nobody's going to mess with Bobby Cox. So he's going to make decisions that he is confident with, not worry about getting fired. And these younger managers, they aren't going to do that. They're gonna That are beholden to the front office and the analytics department and haven't established themselves they're so easily replaced, and players can see. Players see everything, so players yeah. obviously see that when they got a manager he's going to make the decision that he's that he believes in. He's not going to worry about you know getting fired or, or passing blame or pointing fingers or you know what right. you were talking about. It it, it,
1: it it's it, it's, uh, yeah, it's easy to follow the numbers, and then you. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, you you have an out. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, I, you know, I did this and that's what the front office wanted me to do. And, you know, everything's cool. So you're right. Blending, blending analytics and personal relationships. uh, What motivates athletes? Uh, And again, like Eric said, it it can go south so quick. So fast. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as you make a move and point to the the
2: front office. As the reason you made that move, you take a guy out of a game, make a pitching yeah. change, do a lineup change, and as soon as you just point up top and say that's what they want me to do, you lose a whole clubhouse that day.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it happens quick. It's crazy, but that's a, that's the nature of the people. Forget they watch them play and it looks easy, and yeah. you forget yeah. there's so much. It's hard emotion. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're on. The, I I felt uh, you know I played with Bob Horner who all never seemed to be in a slump. I I mean, I always felt like I was kind of on a knife edge. Me too. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was like, people don't realize how close you are to, you know, going over sixteen, and And uh, maybe never getting out of it. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, man, we're human beings, and boy, that relationship is is comforting, is motivating. If you know, if I go over twelve, you know, Snit's going to stick with me. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing to watch and especially this year when you know when it works out it doesn't always work out but boy it did this year and it pays dividends uh when those relationships and I always say you don't have to take guys out to dinner every night that's not no. what we're talking right. about right it's, back. it's little it, you know it's little things like Eric said Hargrove used to say hey you know just this little thing it's you and him go get him you know yep. that that kind of stuff People don't think it works, you know, at the highest level of sports, but it does. It's important, I should say. Not that it works, but it's important.
0: And we've we've talked about this, how Snit follows Bobby's uh, example or his the way he worked, his relationship with players, which, I mean, he couldn't have had a better, as a, as far as being a players manager, could not ha- possibly have a better relationship with his players. Yet, he's not one of those managers that goes through the clubhouse every day, shaking their hands, talking to him. Right. And, he delegates and he ha- he keeps the distance from his players when it comes to that and he doesn't he's not over he doesn't feel like he's right. with them and all that snit doesn't do that either he's never in the clubhouse he goes you'll almost never see me in the clubhouse yeah. that's their place you know so he keeps that proper distance yet has that great relationship and respect to the players i never yeah. saw
2: him in the clubhouse i don't think i can remember a single time even when he was a third base coach uh huh really that's mm-hmm. interesting
1: yeah. yeah. That's cool. It's the, it's the player's place. And that, I guess that makes it uh, when you get called into his office, right. Makes it a little extra. Special. It means, something. <laughs> it means yeah. something. It means something. And I think, uh, so did you, I heard this story somewhere. He, he called Solaire in when he, when he came over, he goes, Hey, I haven't watched any of your at bats. I don't know. You know, I'm trusting, you know, our scouts. And, and, uh, we're starting from ground zero with me, man, go get them. Or whatever he said, you know, it's an open... I I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know if I'm saying what I'm trying to say, but he's like, hey, you you know, go get them. I'm I'm happy to have you here and and we're excited. And just a little, you know, little thing like, you know, uh, the past is
0: the past. Yeah. Go get them. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. And speaking of Solaire, another example of Snit and what he does so well is he listened to, Seitzer and Nachi, Castro, his assistant, they watched some video of Soler in his last nine games with Kansas City. Soler only hit like 192 with KC, but his last nine games, he had like four, five, six home runs. He had a couple of two homer games. So he had really made an adjustment and turned it around. So, never mind what his overall numbers were yeah. there. Seitz, because they, they got him when they got him. Alex told Snit, we're getting this guy as a bench guy, a platoon guy, use him, you know, however you th- see fit. But that's how that's what we're getting him for. Seitz and, uh, and Castro, they they watched him and go, Snit, I think we have to we have to reconsider with this guy as an everyday guy. Like, I've seen his swings and, and what we're seeing. Uh, and also. He had EY. EY said, you know, I can work with this guy. He's got the tools. I can make him a decent outfielder. He's an he's okay outfielder. He's not gonna hurt us out there. So Snip said, All right, listen to those guys that he's in there every day then. And so he went with him every day to start, see what he could do. And look what he did. If they'd have just got him and stuck with uh, Alex's plan, which was, you know, to platoon this guy, they would have never seen what he did every in an everyday yeah. lineup and leading off. He would have been a bench guy and a platoon guy. And look what does he end up being? A World Series MVP.
1: Yeah. Wow. All right, that's a, that's a great story. I've been saying that this world series was the scouts world series. And now, now, since you shared that story, I'll go to, to the coaches, you know, yeah. this world series was a coach and scout. Yeah. Um, uh, victory. True I mean, team uh, effort.
0: Uh, Front yeah. office coaches, we, scouts, everybody snit. We're you know, all so instrumental in addition, <laughs> obviously to the players, first and foremost. Yeah. And when,
1: and when you, you, you get, a relationship with your coaches to the point where you're trusting them because, because that's their job. Uh, and then you trust your scouts, you trust your coaches. And Bobby Cox used to say, look, I, I remember him saying, I, I when they bring a guy up from AAA, it's my whole organization is telling me he's ready. Yeah. I'm not going to give up in it on him in 10 days. Right. You know, right. this is the major, leagues. but to snit here, a positive scattering report about Solaire. And then instead of being nervous, like, Oh, you right. know, do I want to control this? It's like, let these people do their jobs, trust them. And it's a, it's a marvelous thing to watch. It doesn't guarantee you success, but it increases your odds. That's what you want. You just want to, yeah. you know, you want to increase your odds of winning games and it worked. And that's how it's supposed to work. It's, it's a great, great year. In so many ways, not only the personal individual performances on the field, but boy, you're right, Dave. What a whole organizational effort.
0: <clears throat> I mean, this was a classic example. We we talk about chemistry all the time. People probably get tired yeah. of us talking about team chemistry, but this <laughs> this year was the epitome of what team yeah. chemistry can mean yeah. for a team because. I mean, the Braves, what they do, they go in, they beat the Brewers. They were not favored to beat the Brewers. Everybody picked the Brewers. They certainly were not favored to pick the Dodgers. I was one of the few people that even picked them, and that's only because I saw this team every day. But nationally, nobody picked the Braves to beat the Dodgers. Maybe Buster only did. That's it. They beat a 106-win Dodger team that had just beaten a 107-win Giants team. Here the Braves win 88 games. But people that had watched them down the stretch knew those last two months. This was a night and day team. They all came together, and this team was playing as well or better than anybody when it, when it got to the postseason. And that's the whole key: being on the same page and playing, and clicking when the postseason starts. And they were. I mean, this was a this was a triumph over. Uh, this was a triumph of team chemistry. Guys really loving each other and playing for each other, and willing to give up the individual stats and all these guys that were in free agent walk years. <laughs> That they picked up, they could have been pissed for not playing every day down the stretch. Those four outfielders they got, guy like Jock Peterson, yeah. they could have been malcontents or being mopes. At the, but instead, Jock goes in there in the in the Brewer series and gets three pinch hit at bats and it's two homers and a single in those three at bats. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, come on, I mean that's it. You know, and a guy like uh, uh, Rosario who was on, was hurt when the Braves first got him for five weeks and was uh, was on the DL still, the IL. He uh, he had to work his way into the lineup, and he did. He had that he had the hit for the cycle game in, with the giant against the Giants out there in San Francisco. But he had to he had to work his way into the lineup. But he didn't complain or say, "Look, I, I I shouldn't have to work my way into the lineup. I should be playing over some of these guys." So it was just one after another guy who 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 kind of gave up the individual uh, accolades and didn't worry about that, and it paid off in the end with you know Soler being a World Series MVP, Rosario the NLCS MVP. Peterson, the two pinch hit homers in a in a brewer series, would have been the NLDS MVP if they had one. If they had one. It was crazy, man. I mean, just the the guys that Alex added and how they fit into a clubhouse that welcomed them and embraced them more than that any other clubhouse might have. I mean, they they made these guys feel comfortable from day one, you know? Yeah. How Heredia made Soler feel. Soler said, I'm an introvert. I don't really talk to guys. And I would have been, you know, I would have been so uncomfortable in the clubhouse for that first month or so if, if I didn't have Heredia, a fellow Cuban who's the ultimate extrovert, who from day one <laughs> took him around and introduced him to everybody. And, and Soler said, I felt comfortable from day one. So he goes out and just rakes from the from the get-go, you know, which he would have yeah. he, he wouldn't have been a contributor probably at all you know, if, if he had felt, you know, withdrawn and in the corner the whole time when he got here.
1: That's awesome. I, I think this would be a better movie than Moneyball.
0: It'd be a good one. And you tie yeah, in I mean, the Snitker story and all that, yeah, you know? and the snit, Because, look, Moneyball. And a, guy like Wash, be, a guy like Wash. A guy like Wash. What yeah. he meant to this team. What he's yeah, done for guys yeah. like
1: Ozzy. Absolutely. Moneyball, look. It was the pitching staff, you know, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. That
0: hardly got any. That hardly, hey, got, uh, any, you know. that hardly <laughs> got any kind of credit in that movie. You know, the pitching yeah. staff was was killing it, man. Those three you know, starters.
1: I think Huddy. Huddy had something like eight no decisions. Yeah, that year, you know, going into the eighth and ninth every and getting no decisions. My point is, that this this team is shock full of personalities and stories and. And, uh, you know, human drama or whatever you want to call it. I just think it's so compelling. Uh, And I think, uh, you know, this is why we're never going to forget this one as Braves fans. This just was, uh, you know, or or members of the Braves, you know, franchise or whatever you want to call us. Uh, I'm a fan and an alumnus, but it's is not weird. Isn't that a
2: weird spot to be in? Or you kind of don't yeah. know whether to call yourself a fan or really <laughs> yeah. what, what you <laughs> are. Congratulate you, Eric's talking yeah. about when people congratulate oh, him for yeah, the yeah, break.
1: Yeah, wedding. Yeah. What I yeah. do? So I'm, I'm getting stuff all the time. Uh, I, uh Yeah. Hey, nice phone. <laughs> Congratulations! i like, I just say thank you. Yes. Way to go, <laughs> man!
0: Like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I did <laughs> my part out here in Utah. I did my part. And helped build yeah. this. I uh, <laughs>
1: helped build in the early
2: 2010s. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but it's it's cool and. uh, I, this, this is going to be one to, for the ages. It really is.
0: Which brings us to trying to repeat. <clears throat> Nobody's been able to do it since the Yankees. Nobody's done it this century, man. Because, And I think that underscores how hard it is to win a championship. And no, and, and, and I think in baseball more than any other sport, oh, how hard absolutely. it is. Because one or two guys can't turn it around like they can in basketball. You can't get LeBron and he signs a couple of his buddies, gets a couple of his buddies to come over and sign, yeah. and you guys can win the NBA championship. You can't do that in baseball. It's got to all yeah. come together together. And you got to ride for six months and hope it all is healthy and coming together at the right time. I mean, it's tough, man. And you got twenty nine other teams. About twenty of them are trying to do the same thing.
1: Absolutely. And after you do it like they did it, those twenty say we can do that. Yes. You know exactly. You know, we, they won eighty eight games. You know, we just got to get into the playoffs. But the NFL take the quarterback position, Tom Brady. Right. I right. mean, it it's such a impactful and controlling force. Whereas yeah. you you do need twenty five guys, and uh, and it is well, it, it it's going to be tough to repeat. But I'll tell you, the Eastern Division I still think is up for grabs. So uh, yeah,
0: you yeah, know, look, uh, we'll, look at we'll the see, Mets this look, year. Talking about chemistry, look at the Mets this year, man. I mean, they led that division for over half the season, and look where they were at the end. And I think that was a case of the the opposite as what the Braves had, that vibe the Braves had, that chemistry, Absolutely. that how they the Braves never had a big losing streak. They never felt like things could fall apart, you know. When they lose three or four in a row, they'd snap out of it and 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 they always stayed there right below five hundred until they took off, knowing that they could go on a run, and eventually they did. The Mets obviously didn't have that because they were in first place, and once things went south, they just really went south and they just fell apart yeah. down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. They-
1: And like, like, you know, we said earlier, it's weird how quick it can go. Yeah. Just like in two weeks, you know, the Mets were out of it. I mean, Well, that's where that leadership
2: comes in. Right. You got to have somebody come into that clubhouse and and calm everybody down.
0: I think, and I think it's good for the Braves that the Mets, the A's are screwing up in that they're not going to hire Ron Washington. Cause I know as much as everybody wants to see wash, get another chance and all that for selfish reasons. Braves fans should be very happy because Wash is not a guy that's going to mope and go, I should get another chance to be bitter. Wash is going to be out there busting his ass like he does every day every doing act. his work. He was doing he was doing those pregame drills with his guys before game six in the Astros, <laughs> making a little spot like 20 feet long with all the media around him so that he could still do his little fungo drills <laughs> before game six of the World Series, man. That's what he is. So yeah. by the A's and the Mets going with the guy that's comfortable they're comfortable with the analytics and the front office, you know, and a guy that maybe doesn't have some baggage like Wash has, or he's not up, you know, closer to 70 than he is to 50 or closer to 70 than he is to 60 for that matter. They're screwing up, but it's going to pay off for the Braves because this guy is huge for the Braves as part of that coaching staff and that whole motivating force that they have. It looks like they're going to have Wash back. And I mean, if you're going to try to repeat that would have been wash would have been as hard to replace as anybody other than say Freddie Freeman.
1: You know, that's a good, that's an interesting point. People don't understand, uh, coaches roles and, and the value of coaches that take their job Oh man, I'll tell you one thing. It's a different world than, than when I played. I mean, I know what time they get going in spring training. I never would have made any of those early workouts. (laughs) I mean, uh, uh, you know they they're they're there at the ballpark five thirty or yeah. six. You know, get getting ready to go and and washes it. You know is is yeah. I, I I couldn't agree more. What he does and you know those 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 things he does drill and funnels. Stuff, it's everyday stuff. Yeah, this is it. this is what I, I I tell people. Freddie Freeman does everyday fundamental stuff. You know things are going good. Things are going bad. I yeah. mean, but your coaches have to have to put in that time behind the scenes and not get a lot of credit. And again, it, it show to what Wash does with his players shows that he loves his players. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. so much. You know, they need work on their fundamentals. Everybody right, does, right, right? But it's like, no, I want you to be the best you can be. So I'm going to sacrifice my time right and I'm gonna be there, you know, at noon. We're getting ready to to go. So he's it's there great. every day. The, yeah.
2: I saw uh Marcus Simeon said the other day, I, I actually watched this whole thing kind of yeah. unfold because I was with I was with Oakland when Simeon got called up and was going to play shortstop and he was a disaster at shortstop. And they knew he could hit, but he was just, you know, booting balls, throwing balls away. And they hired Ron Washington almost specifically to work with him. And he had Marcus working his ass off day in, day out. It was almost like it was a running joke in the clubhouse Anytime you saw Simeon without Ron Washington by him or talking to him or working with him. Um, but Simeon went on and, and turned himself into a really good defensive infielder, and then he signed that deal with the Rangers the other day, and he said that Ron Washington was the most influential baseball man in his life. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, that that's just one guy.
0: And what's his name? Gave uh, Wash a gold glove in Oakland for turning him into a, a, a gold glove. Chavez. Chavez. Gave Wash yeah. one of his gold really? gloves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's I, so it's cool. It's every day. And if you see that's Ozzie, cool. if Ozzie Albies wins a gold glove, it will not surprise me at all if he gives it to Wash because he gives wow. Wash so yeah. much credit for what he's done. But I think what Murph said is so that's important. Cool. It's not just that he's making them better fielders, which he is, but it's more, I think more importantly, it's showing him, them how much he loves them. And, and yeah. being out there every day, could be hundred degrees in Atlanta, dripping humidity, and he's out there. This guy's on yeah. pushing seventy. You know that he's not getting paid extra for being out there. He could come when, with you know, and start his job when normal coaches do it in the afternoon. But he's out there that extra hour working with these guys one on one. Hell, he's out there for for ten minutes working with this ball boy that he's just taken under his wing. There's a ball boy that plays like local local high school ball. And he's out there with this ball boy every day after yeah. the other guys have all doing it. And everybody's going inside to eat, you know, after batting practice, he'll give that ball boy 10 minutes every day hitting fungos to him. Getting paid absolutely nothing. Getting no he credit for, for that at all. Just because he wants to see it. This black kid, this young kid, he wants to see him get make, get make be the best he can be. So he's out there working with him every day, man. It's well, impressive. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people would say, well,
1: isn't that what coaches do? No. no. <laughs> That's
0: <not what> coaches <laughs> see, some of them sleeping on the couch before <laughs> the game. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> and every coach does that. And yeah. they are not paid well for what they do. Coaches aren't. Oh boy. Managers wow. are pay- getting decent pay now. Managers get paid well. Coaches still are way down with a few exceptions. Oh, my gosh. Coaches, if you broke it down in the hours they work, it's not a lucrative job by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No, 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 no. And, it's, and,
0: and they are talking yeah. about being hired to be fired. Hitting and pitching coaches, there is no sol- yeah. There is no job security in those jobs. It don't matter how big your name is as a hitting coach. I mean, how many guys have we seen be the flavor of the day? You know, the yeah. way they teach hitting, they're the flavor of the day for a year or two, and then they're gone, and you're like, whatever happened to? I mean, that's just nature of the business, which is yeah. what Sites is, shows you how good Sites is, and the relationship yeah, he builds that, that he's that done it that true. long.
1: That that that's true. Uh uh just as a, a little anecdote, I, I was talking to Wally Joyner uh yeah. after mm-hmm. the World Series. And of course he's from he's from the Atlanta area, but he goes uh and, and he was hitting coach for Phillies for Detroit and uh you know post-career. But anyway, he knows hitting uh really good uh, anyway. He goes I love watching the World Series. He goes I he goes I saw a lot of Kevin Seitzer uh in those hitters. He goes I know mm-hmm. Seitz really well. I think uh I think going back to I don't know where Wally played, maybe Kansas City with him, but he goes mm-hmm. he was really happy for for Sites and and he could see he could see the impact, you know, on on guys. So that was cool.
0: That that's another part of the season that will go uh will be forgotten by anybody that wasn't close to the team was what sites went through. This is a guy that had a hip replacement surgery in the <laughs> middle of the season. His I hip went, know. Oh yeah. His hip started bark- barking like a two months into the season to where he could not walk. And one day it went out. Uh, they were on the road in, in Miami or Houston and they had to bring, they had to bring an ambulance. They had to take him out on a stretcher to have emergency hip <laughs> replacement surgery after he had well, he had the surgery he had the surgery mr road trip had the surgery mr road trip was back in the dugout the next home stand way sooner than he should have been right but then they went on a road trip and the hip locked up it it it, it had the, the 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 replaced hip the ball had come out of the socket Locked up. He said, I've never been in any kind of pain like that in my life. I told my wife, if I ever have to happen again, shoot me because I can't go through it again. It was like three hours. He was screaming. They had to bring an ambulance, take him to the hospital to have an emergency to work that thing back in. They had to put it on, uh, you know, deaden it and put it back in. This was in the middle of the season. Oh my, I, 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 I'm telling, I'm telling you, David, look, David, you're the writer.
1: You, have you ever written a screenplay? I mean, there's, there's so much going on Yeah. in this, in this thing. It's just, I, I had not heard that. And that's, yeah. a, that's unreal. That's yeah, unreal. He was,
0: he was walking so bad for about a week before the surgery that he was limping off to look like he'd been shot. I mean, he couldn't hardly walk and he'd finally had the hip replaced during the road trip. Wow. And then had to have it redone, or, you know, had to get that thing back in place when it hopped out. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. Getting back to trying to repeat. Obviously, a big part of this is going to be Freddie Freeman. Murph, are you as surprised as we all are that Freddie wasn't re signed? Last spring, you know, before we even got to spring training, last off season, if not during the off season, I thought they would have got it done during spring training like they used to do with Chipper. You know, Chipper never entered a season in the last year of his contract. They always made sure that he was re-signed. Really? Every time. Yeah, he never entered a season without a new contract. I was shocked that they didn't with Freddie, but then I realized coming off that pandemic season, things were strange, and I knew Liberty Media, you know, they're bought their 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 business. And they wanted to see how profits bounced back, attendance, all that, maybe to get a better feel for what they could offer him. Okay, so that's their excuse for the first quarter. Second quarter, they see the earnings that go through the roof. I mean, this team's making money now. We know that. Hand over fist. The battery came back. It's thriving. It's going great. Gangbusters. So the second and third quarter, they're making money at the levels or higher than they did in 19 before the pandemic. The attendance is the second highest in baseball this year, behind the Dodgers, and it's only going to spike now with the World Series. So, I thought that they ran out of reasons or excuses to not get this done uh, when they didn't do it. I thought maybe they'd wait till the All- when the All Star Game was going to be here, they'd make a big thing out of it and sign him, you know, during the All Star yeah. break, maybe. So then that went past. Then they had a chance before the postseason started. In those days, there they could have got done anyway. My, 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 my. I guess my long-winded question to you is: are you as surprised as we are that they did not get him resigned yet? That he went to free agency? Yeah,
1: I, I think uh, you're closer to the situation, uh, but for someone who's, who's, you know, m- more of uh, looking at a, from a fan's perspective. Uh, y- yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, you're close to the situation. So, you know, a lot of the details that we don't understand. It's a, it is a different ownership. I don't know how many years uh, Chipper played under ownership from Liberty Media. Do you, do you recall?
0: Yeah. Uh very end. Yeah, it was at the at end. the very
1: end. And, uh, that, and he was by ta- that point. Was
0: probably, it was by that point they weren't gonna let him go, and he wasn't at the top of the pay scale anymore either.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I think as a fan, I'm I you know I'm trying to understand and uh, uh, appreciate, if you will, the the way that the ownership is working it's different uh alex Anthopoulos is not working like the mets yankees and dodgers uh i i think he would love to i mean i I think it's not his fault i i think we gotta look at it from that perspective but your question is still am i surprised Uh, yeah uh uh because the, the the strategy of waiting just it, it increased the the uh, amount of money you're going to have to pay. So, right. you know, Alex yeah. would understand that from signing Acuna and Albie's right. early in their career to exactly. to club friendly contracts. You you make it you make it appealing to them, and you make it early in their career instead of waiting till Acuna wins two MVPs. Uh, and so, the same thing could apply to Freddie. You you make an appeal to him. And and I'm sure they're they're probably going to offer less money in less years than competing teams if it gets to that. And and uh, but early in this, this cycle uh, could have been something very attractive for Freddie and less money for Liberty Media to pay. Uh, but it's interesting. I, I assume, David, they're looking at analytics and what's going to happen in, in the, the time span of his next contract. I don't know. But right the challenge for the Braves is there is going to be a team that's going to offer more uh, money per year and, and extra years. I mean, I'm just guessing that that's going to be the case and uh, it's going to be hard for Freddie to, to, you know, to, to say, you know, I had a goal and I wanted to stay here and Chipper is, is my guy and I love what he did in his career and i love this place but yeah they're making it hard for freddie to make that decision i'll tell you that with this whole thing you know
0: yeah We talked about what what the difference in what they're going to end up having to pay him to keep him would be. I think if they would have made this move, and again, I understand, you know, coming off the season they did when they lost, when the revenues were so down with nobody there, and the battery just brought that even further down because they're unlike some teams they're so dependent on that, you know, the profits from the battery. So when there was no fans, they 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 were not making money. So I understand that, Uh, but ultimately, I think this is going to cost them probably if they do resign him. And I think it's no longer a given. I went from 100% certain right up till the end of the season. I thought for sure it was going to get done. But now, like you said, you involve other teams now. You open the door, so when before other teams couldn't make offers. But I mean, if it only takes one team, and if the Dodgers decide that you know what, we can play Freddie Freeman at first base. We can let Kershaw go. You know, we can move Max Muncy, and he's not even a given. you know, coming back from the from the uh, elbow. If if the Dodgers throw money at Freddie and go, you know, six years, a hundred, let that six year that he's looking for, that guaranteed year, and offer him 190 million, I think the Braves could have got him signed a year ago at this time. I think six years would 150 million would have got it done. I really do. I think if you got yeah. to 150, maybe even five years with an option, if you'd got yeah, with a little less than that. But now I think it's gonna be six years, 180 is what he asked for from all from what I hear. And I think he's going to get that from somebody, whether it's the Braves, you know, then he's going to have to weigh, what about the cost of living in California, state income tax, all that, but he's from there. He has his mansion, in Corona Del Mar. If he can, if he can play for the Dodgers, he can live at home. So you got that whole second house thing going. You don't have to move the kids. You don't have to move the wife. How much is that worth? You know? Yeah. So you got a lot of things to weigh to consider. And if the Yankees and how about the Yankees? The Yankees could all of a sudden decide this could be our big move because they haven't done anything yet. Dodgers and the Yankees haven't really done anything yet big in the offseason. Everybody's talking about the Braves sitting on their hands, but all the contenders, none of the biggest teams, the money teams, have really done anything yet, big time yet. The Dodgers, Yankees, the Red Sox, the Braves, they're kind of sitting back and waiting to see how this thing works out with the collective bargaining agreement. So... What about if the Yankees throw that much money at him? I I I know Freddie's not a New York type guy, but Freddie could fit in anywhere, man. I mean, if, if it came down to somebody out making, and I know his wife, you know, with her business, LA or New York would certainly help with that clothing line. She's gotten all that. So these are just things to consider that the Braves have complicated it by letting it get to this stage and letting other teams get involved. I think.
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, I don't know. I might've shared this story uh, with you on a previous podcast, uh, podcasts before, you know, when I left the Braves uh, under much different circumstances. Uh, Mike Schmidt, I, I went to the Phillies in 90. I'm in the locker room. I'm feeling like so out of place. And uh, Schmitty, Schmitty comes in to the locker room uh, uh, who he, he had retired in 89. And he gets real close to me. He goes, you know what? I've always wondered what it's like to play. In, what I always, I've always wondered what it would have been like. To play in another city, right? And right. and Eric, you know, you played for different clubs. I I ended up playing for three different clubs. Uh, uh, I had a really good experience. Uh, yeah. I didn't even play that well, uh, especially my short s- stop with the uh, the Rockies. But it was a really good life experience. And, and I think people need to uh, understand that uh, Freddie, if he leaves, you know, he's going to have a really good experience. He's always going to be a brave, you know, what he's done yeah. there. Uh, and I'm not saying Freddie would leave just to get that experience, but it, it's it's not a bad thing. It's so seldom that you get to stay that you, it's it's really a kind of an eye-opening and great experience to to go see what it's like and to experience other things. I, I don't know. Is that your experience eric
2: yeah i mean you get to see how teams travel you know what kind of planes they have what kind of food you know just the way everybody else does things you know you go to certain teams if you go to the yankees you're treated like a king you know i mean even when you go to the visiting clubhouse you're eating filet mignon for lunch you know and it's every every organization they have different ways that the fans treat you all these different things but you know for me that that stuff wasn't wasn't huge but i think you know in Freddie's case When you're when you're trying to sign an extension or or negotiating with just one team, you're guessing at what you're worth. Now he Mm -hmm. gets to go and find out what he's worth. You know what is somebody willing to pay for me? So if it's like the Braves are at one hundred and fifty, another team comes in at one hundred and ninety. Yeah, (laughs) forty million is. that's a big gap of of this is what I'm worth and this is what they're willing to pay me. Versus initially, you're just kind of guessing, you know, at the discount you're taking to stay. Right. And now he's going to know
0: exactly what that discount is. So I think that t- that that puts things in a tough spot. And it's your last contract, too. Probably your last big contract. Yeah. The, way the, the way the sport is skewing younger and younger, yep. chances of Freddie getting another big contract at 38 years old are about zero. You know, he's going to be playing a one or two year deals at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Acuna, you know. People feel bad for Acuna, you know. People that he got a hundred billion guaranteed, but yeah, and then he blew out his ACL. Right, right, right. So <laughs> I mean, he got that security. We and people are still saying that about Albies and Acuna, how the Braves should feel bad for the contracts they gave him. Even after we saw Soroka tear his Achilles for the second time, Soroka would have jumped at a chance looking back to get yeah. $100 million guarantee. 50, 20, not, yes. 30. <laughs> yes. So Ozzy yeah. and Acuna are taken care of and their families are taken care of and the next generation too. Anyway, long story. But Freddie, Freddie is uh, not going to be like Acuna. When Acuna's contract is up, he's still going to probably get another really big one. He's yep. going to still be probably an elite player, top 10 player, if not top five, and get one more huge contract. Same thing for Albies, probably get another big one. Freddie's not going to. So Freddie's got to look at it as, this is my chance, my last really big payday. Yep. And, you know, as, as much as he wants to be here, and I know as much as the Braves have said they want him here, and I know they want him here. Everybody loves him here. But money talks, man. And if they don't sign him up, and they're waiting and they're nickel and diamond. And I don't mean to be, you know, to demean what they're doing because maybe that sixth year is that important to him. But I don't think with Freddie Freeman, you can let a sixth year guarantee be the deciding factor. I mean, come on. What are the chances that between his fifth and sixth year, his performance is really going to decline? That sixth year makes that big a difference. With the DH and the NL, you're going to tell me this guy won't be able to hit at age 38? Come on.
2: He's always going to hit.
0: He's going to be a great hitter at 38, I think. I think. I mean, that's hard to predict. But Chipper Jones won a batting title at what, 36, 37? You know? Freddie, D- Dell. do you think – we've talked about this. Do you think uh, Freddie's got the kind of body that's going to be able to maintain being a great hitter for a long time with this simple type swing he has and all that and the way he's not a real muscle-bound guy that's, you know – It's all on, Yeah. To me, he seems a yeah. perfect type guy that's going to be able to maintain – you know, he hasn't shown signs of breaking down at all. He still he played 162 games this year, 160.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he plays first base, which is right. not a, a like high, high imp-
0: Like Fred yeah. did.
1: Yeah. So like Eric said, he's always going to be able to hit. Can I just throw something in here that I thought was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen from Freddie? Uh, his seven straight strikeouts. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, that? <laughs> I, I, I'm yeah. telling you that could have put a lot of people. Uh, I don't even know how to say it, but in if, a postseason, in a postseason, <laughs> his ability and credit sites again. And, and, uh, the, uh, and, and Freddie, but that could have caused a lot of panic. <laughs> yeah. and a, I mean, seven straight strikeouts. And you remember what he did. He went to LA, as I recall, and got a few hits to left field. Yeah. And, uh, just came back, but it, it's that knife edge that people don't realize that man that could have gone fast. Yeah. I, anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. That was a remarkable mental achievement to me, and really shows Freddie's ability uh, uh, to know what he's doing and know his swing yeah. and not panic because that would have put a, a younger player that would have put a younger player into a panic mode. But yeah. getting back to Here's the other thing. His defense at first. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's he's so tall. He's so good. I don't know. David, you saw him play every day. Uh, How many errors did he save? How many runs did he save? I can't measure it. You know, tack on another 20, 25 to his RBIs. I mean, he turns a double play. He turns a double play uh, very well uh i mean he just is uh, he he's, and i've always said we didn't really get good back in the early 80s till we got chris shambles a really good first baseman and uh you know it, it's going to be a big hole to fill if if he does indeed leave but uh it's it's going to be fascinating to watch
0: yeah eric's talked about how when angelton was here you know the best short stop any of us have ever seen defensively at least eric right. and i've said that how many throws Angleton can make because he had a cannon for an arm. And as long as he got it to Freddie, whether it was one hop or a foot over his head, Freddie's going to catch it. Yeah, he saves right. some errors there. But other guys do that all the time. Dansby does that. Good, Just the, the confidence it gives you, you know, right. to, to
2: know you don't have to be perfect. Austin Riley, over, you know? he saves yeah. him some
0: errors. Um, and then his presence in the lineup. Imagine the lineup yeah. taking Freddie out of the three-hole or the two-hole where he was sometimes this year. What that's going to do to those guys around him, Austin Riley, the season he would have had if Freddie's not in that lineup. Austin Riley had a career year, breakthrough-type year. Does he do that without Freddie in the lineup? Guys, t- teams still were aiming to stop Freddie, first of all, especially after Acuna got hurt. Freddie was the focus right. for other teams' other teams' pitching staffs to stop Fred. Don't let Freddie beat you. So yep. these other guys beat him as a result, you know, a, a, part, a, a partial byproduct of that. Guys like Austin Riley, Dan's Dansby on some days. You know, when when they're focused so hard on stopping Freddie, other guys were killing him. Yeah. He's a focal point. I mean, and that's bold if you don't re sign him. If you think you can replace him, you you can. You know, you can get a guy like this. You're bringing
2: up his leadership either. You know, I mean.
0: <laughs> it, that goes without saying. I mean, he's yeah. the leader on the team without even being a, a loud guy. We've had some loud leaders here, some guys who've wanted to be the leader, you know, and and were with certain guys were able to get certain guys in line and that kind of thing, get snap guys to attention. But Freddie leads by example and without saying a whole lot, without raising his voice, he leads. He is a great leader that doesn't need to see on his chest. So if you're going to replace him, it better be with a guy like a Matt Olson. With the A's. It better be with a guy who can play both sides of the ball and is a big threat, you know. It better be with somebody that's a big bat, man. I mean, I don't even know if like Rizzo, if you replace Rizzo, that's a big drop-off from Freddie to Rizzo, in my opinion.
2: I just wonder if it's a situation where, you know, they're waiting for him to have a offer to match. Yeah. And, you hope and, so, and it might be. And, and they need to say, you know, he might have told them, which I don't know why, if he would do that. Because if I was in his position, I'd, I'd definitely be frustrated that it got to this point. And I, I bet, though, you know, normally with a team, you say, well, whatever we get, we'll give you a chance to match it before we and sign I with think the Yankees have. or Dodgers or so-and-so. But, I mean, if he gets 180 or 200, I don't know if, you know, right. I mean, if they are going to match that.
0: Right, right, yeah. Uh, but I think, I think he has given them that assurance because as much as he would have wanted this done and he didn't understand why it wasn't done, you know, he never stopped like texting with Alex. They're friends, man. Right. I mean, he's got a yeah. great relationship with Alex. And that also leads me to, it's not Alex's fault that this isn't done. This is for, this is coming from above Alex, you know, and, yeah. but I, but I think Freddie is respects Alex enough to co- le- go, look, I'm, a, I'm at least going to come back to you, you know, and give you and- a chance
2: for sure. Yeah.
0: Because you know, yeah. I mean, and, and Freddie Phil would, would feel a lot better too if he if he gets a six million, a six year hundred and eighty million dollar offer or hundred and ninety million, it's, and he'll feel a lot better about going to the Braves and saying, This is what they've offered him, what can you do? Then if he doesn't sign it and the Braves later say, We never had a chance to match it. We would have matched that, you know. So he won't I think he'll be smart to uh and I think he will do that. We'll see. I still feel I, think, uh, I still feel better sort of, than 50-50s back. But I'm not confident as I was before. I still think they get they get it done ultimately. Um, yeah. But
1: well, I think uh, just from preparing the fans <laughs> for the possibility. <laughs> you know, for, to me, if I was Freddie, I'd be like, okay, I've been here. What what has he been there? Ten years? Little, 10, 11 12, years.
0: 12, 11, and then a change. September call okay. of, and eleven full <laughs> seasons. Okay.
1: I've won an MVP. You know, I've I've been the guy. Uh, We just won the world series. I hit a home run. My last at bat. Uh, uh, I love this place. You know, I love this city and I'm, you know, if I go into the hall of fame, I'm wearing an Atlanta brave hat. They, they gave me a chance to play, but uh there, there's 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 probably a part of them that's saying, I've kind of, yeah. I've kind of done. I, I love this organization, but I've done what I can do, and uh, I'm not. You know, we just won the World Series. It's not like we're going to. I want to. I want to help this team win a World Series. They just did that.
0: Yeah. yeah. If, so in and that respect, so so- they finished the job. The rebuilding is done. They've reached the ultimate. right. Might yeah, close the just, whole
2: book on the thing and be, look, he'll never have to, if he left, he'd never have to look back at Atlanta with a single okay. negative thought. He can yeah. close right, right. it and it's just exactly. all beauty there. He can always come back.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I see what you're exactly. saying. Yeah. I mean, just the psychology of it in his mind. Uh, yeah. There's, I, I don't know how to describe it, except that there's, there's thinking of what keeps him there is, right there may not be as much as everybody thinks there is
0: right does that make sense right yeah. maybe there may not be as much as there would have been if they would have got to the world series this year and lost after getting so close to the world series of the year before if they yeah. got right. the world series and lost this year he might still be going we'd still got to win that world series you know yeah
1: and i want to i want you know this is me this is who i am well he's He's going to be... He is now. He's going to always be associated with the Braves.
0: Yeah. People will look at him. He's going to no, be
1: retired. No matter where he goes, he's not going to be looked at as a Dodger. And he's not right. going to say that as in himself and, unless he goes back to alumni games at Dodger Stadium. Which, yeah. you know, I go to Philly once in a while and I feel like an, ex, uh, an ex-Philly. an ex But most of the time, I don't. I, I'm right. brave. And, uh, and Freddie has even more depth to his braveness than anybody. Right. They he's He won an MVP. They won a World Series. He had a home run in his last at-bat. They're great in the community. They might say, you know, we're going to spread our wings a little bit. I'm just trying to prepare fans for that kind of
0: yeah. thought. I, I that, tell you what, though, seeing him in another uniform is going to be the most <laughs> awkward, definitely the most awkward since Tom Glavin in a Mets uniform. Yeah, it's gonna be weird, it's but gonna it's gonna be, gonna be weird, more but... like if you can imagine Chipper Jones, say, in a man, or, or in a Yankee or a Dodger uniform. Can you even imagine Chipper in a oh. Dodger uniform? You can't yeah. imagine it, it's weird. But Freddie will fill it out and look good after uh, it'll be weird, but he'll yeah. do it well. And <laughs> he might go somewhere else and win another couple of rings, but I just hope for the brave's sake. They get this done because I think they're going to really rue the day that he leaves if they don't, because you can build so much around him next year. They're in the in the in the eyes of a lot of fans, and I know this will change once they start playing, especially if they start winning. You better hope, God forbid, you do, you don't win next year if you don't sign him and you don't win, because you're going to be a lot of people saying you screwed it up by not bringing him back. But yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of backlash from fans, and I know it's a lot more. Talking on social media, but there's going to be backlash if they win a World Series and then they don't resign Freddie with uh, fans know how much because they're the only team that has to show how much profit they're making because they're publicly owned. So yeah. fans know how much revenues are up. And if you don't oh, resign yeah. Freddie, you better spend that money somewhere and bring in two or three players to <laughs> spend it somewhere. Because if you don't spend it, it could be some pissed off people, especially if you don't win next year again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be fascinating to watch and the lockout, the whole thing. It's uh,
0: yeah, yeah there's going to be
1: this a lot, a lot going on this winter.
0: It just complicates things even more that we're sitting yeah. there now and the limbo is like halted. It's like you can't even get any news right now because they're not technically supposed to even talk to him. Nobody to you know, yeah. yeah so it's very weird, it's man. Really weird. Speaking of this lockout, you are you were involved in how many uh, strikes or lockouts during work stoppages during your career, Murph?
1: Uh I think uh well uh see 80 uh uh just yeah, 81. 80, 81. 81 81 was the big one. I missed players missed, I think, almost 60 games, I think 56 games. Mm-hmm. That was a rough one during the season. I think we had a couple of delayed spring trainings and then went did we miss a few games in the season in '88, Dave? '88, no. yeah,
0: because Dodgers won the World Series that year and they didn't play. I think it was like 150 games or something, something like that. And then '94, '95, '94 season was obviously, yeah, well, you, you were still going. I right? was gone.
1: I was you're, gone. I was gone you in '93. Yeah, you were daughter, I was gone okay. in '93. So I missed that right terrible year of '94.
0: That was the worst. Uh, because yeah. they missed, because they they wiped yeah. out the postseason, the World Series, and that's the one that lost. They lost a lot of fans for a lot of years. Some fans say they never came back to the game after that. They were so pissed. Yeah, they took yeah. away the World Series in a, in a postseason.
1: Yeah, but so uh, uh, yeah, let's hope. It dicey for a while, I think. Isn't that your kind of gut reaction, David? That things are going to be a little scary. Maybe delayed spring training, but they'll get. I think they'll, so. Got to get it worked out.
0: Well, they were really smart to have this CBA expire when it did. So where you have this ramp up like two, three months to get it done without missing games. That was really smart rather than (laughs) have expired during a season like the one that was. How'd that ever happen? So I think cooler heads will prevail. There's still a big disparity between what they want, what the players want and what the owners want. There's still significant disparity, though. And you got a feeling the way they do things, they won't even start really negotiating until we get closer to a deadline, unfortunately. I could see spring right. training starting late. But yep. you you guys know. Couldn't you get by with pitchers are the only ones and I think they would tell the pitchers, start doing start getting your arms in shape even before camp. But couldn't we get by sure. with three weeks of spring training and play the regular start of season on time?
2: Every time I think about making a comeback, I think about spring training and shut it back down. Yeah, <laughs> spring yes. training's like for me, four weeks too long. I, I, right. as a reliever, I felt like I needed two weeks to get ready. Um, right. I think hitters and and starting pitchers need more but if you know there's gonna be a delay, you could you could work out at a high school and pitch against those guys and right. run around and get yourself ready. you don't you don't need the full six weeks, but I definitely think it'll drag into spring training.
0: I think like it'd be like during the pandemic when several of the players got together at a local high school and they they had comp- competitive at bats, you know, or they not competitive, yeah. but they had they were facing big league hitters. I think you'll have some agents like Boris will get a lot of his clients together who live in Southern California, and he's also got an office in Florida. We'll get them more, or he's got a training facility in Florida, and a training facility in Southern California. Get about ten of his clients together, and each of those working out. I mean, you could do it where you could get start getting ready. You know, for a for a for a brief for abbreviated spring training, but I I, I think they do they would do that in a heartbeat rather than uh, start the season three weeks late by trying to get in a full five or six weeks of spring. I think you could do it in three weeks. And, and, yeah, but you're gonna have so many free agents floating around. Oh man, it's gonna be a madhouse signing yeah. free agents. It's gonna be crazy for that week before if they get this settled. All right, we're starting we're opening camps. You know, next week there's gonna be guys signing left and right.
2: Yeah. And then they'll play hardball too and make guys try to take one year deals. And I mean, I think that's why there was that flurry before, you know, both sides wanted to get something done before this happened, but
0: it could be ugly. The teams like the angels and the Mets that absolutely had to get some holes filled, they weren't going to wait and go through this limbo. And and so like, as a result, you see a guy like Scherzer just blow through the previous barriers, the the pay standards. Here's a guy that's, Closer to 40 than 30, and it's going to get over 40 million a year. It's wild. I mean, it's yeah. going to be. F- What's late that like 30s?
2: seeing that, Dale, from, from your playing days and looking at that Is Those and your then career earnings, are making- Dale?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Nancy and I always, every year, we're like, man alive. But like we always say, it's generational. I mean, you know, uh, I, I got top dollar when I played for my generation. So it's hard to complain. You know, you all you got to do is look at what Hank made. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and uh, it keeps it in perspective. But I, I'd love to be playing now. I I (laughs) don't, uh, I don't have any, any doubt about that. It's, uh, it's a different, different situation. But you know, happy for the players. I mean, like you said earlier, Eric, uh, it's kind of what you know. What are you worth? Well, what are people going to pay you? That's what you're worth. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so, more power to them. I, I, I feel kind of. thankful that I was at a chance. I, I, I didn't go through the sixties and seventies with free agency, but I, my first spring training was 75. I mean, I got to know Marvin Miller and listen to his talks and, and, and see the, see the foundation of why players are making what they're making and, uh, and, and actually go through some strikes. We were always told that this is for the future. This is for the the good of the players. You're going to have to just take it. And, uh, you know, people ask me about hitting 400 home runs. I hit 398, you know, I missed 50 some games in 1981. Uh, and, uh, uh you know, I, I would have got over that 400 mark, but I should be over the 400 mark anyway. I had enough, uh, pitches to hit. But my point is that, you know, we were in a position, Martin Miller and Don fair got us to the position of, we are doing this for the future of the playoffs. Yep. And, uh, And then I think about, you know, Kurt Flood and all the guys that went through what they did uh, to get this to the point to where we could really see what players are worth. Uh, It's, it's interesting to watch. And I'm thankful for those early days. I might say one thing too, in 81, uh, word got down to all of us. Uh, We did work out, but word got down to all of us is, Do not let anybody know if you work out. In fact, we want them to think that you are not working out at all, that you're getting heavy, you're out of shape, (laughs) the more you guys work out, the more you guys work out, the longer this is going to go. So we did work out, but it was like a top secret uh, operation, you know? That's uh, interesting. Yeah. When you think about the psychology, I know, guys, you know, it's hard not to, but Don Fear and, and Marvin were like, "Do not get, you know, do not publicize this." There wasn't as much social media, uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: that's why we were able to work out in secret. But uh, it was a different strategy back then. Oh. It was like, "Do not, do not, do 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 not stay in shape."
2: Well, I like that though, because if you're sitting here thinking you know, maybe Acuna is going to put on sixty pounds if we right. don't get this thing going, yeah, <laughs> you know, no, I that's... mean, it, you could have some prized pieces that that really get out of shape and
1: yeah. Well, yeah. you gotta, and you gotta stay together as a group too. You can't say, "What are we doing? Right, yeah. We can't get this work out. All yeah. I want to do is play." And the killer for the players is when players start going, "Hey, we're making enough money." Yeah, <laughs> then it's like that's not the point. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I remember sitting with Ted Simmons, who was a key figure through all of the the early days, and uh, we were watching the NFL try to the early days of of NFL bargaining where they were trying to get some rights in the 80s and Ted was just shaking his head. He said these guys will never, never do it because everybody was complaining enough yeah. about not playing. All the high price all the high highest paid football players were saying, what are we doing? We're making enough money. Yeah. Let's just play. And Ted Simmons is just sitting there yeah, shaking his head. Yeah, and 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 if anybody needed rights, yes. and guarantees, it yes. it is the, the NFL.
0: NFL. And look at right. it. it's like that today. Look at their union today. It's nothing compared to the baseball union. And that's the union that should be the strongest. That should have the guaranteed Absolutely. contracts. Absolutely, the guys with the with the with the brain injuries and the careers that are three years and all that. Health, average career health benefits, health yeah.
1: benefits for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they should be. I, I mean it was it's it was just an entry. I, I think uh I think it'd be another great movie. Uh the in inner workings of those years with Marvin Miller. I mean it's fascinating. Yeah,
0: yeah. it really is. Well he the finally pressure, got in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, he did. <laughs> that was an interesting thing, but yeah uh, I'm I'm happy that he got recognized, but I understand his stance. He didn't, you know, the way they treated him, he didn't he didn't want to be in there, but
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Murph, speaking of the hall of fame, uh, six new members. I was glad to see this. I'm part of the, the, uh, the committee that put together the, uh, early days ballot. And so I was really hoping early, uh, the early baseball ballot. Uh, I was really hoping to see some guys get elected and cause it was two different era committees, which is, right. used to be the veterans committee. Now it's separating the four different eras. Six guys elected to this class, so it's gonna be a big class, especially if you get in three or four more players added to it. It could be an all time class, you know. There's already six from the eras, though. So, I was really happy to see uh, I thought long overdue Buck O'Neill that's why I'm wearing my Kansas City Monarchs hat today. For Buck there you O'Neill,
3: go.
0: Buck O'Neill, Manny Minosa, those are two guys that, when you if you go if you take the time to look, go back and look and see what they did, I mean, they should have been long ago. But they got in along with a buddy, I think uh, you played against Jim Cott late in his career. Jim Cott mm-hmm. gets in, another long overdue. Gil Hodges, Tony Oliva, and Bud Fowler. So six guys. Just a couple of others I think should have got in and out of that class, but out of those eras. But I think that's really encouraging to see that some, you know, starting to budge a little on this and get some guys in it that were long overdue. In. And it gives me hope for these next, uh, for the, for the modern baseball era and today's game era that some more guys will get in that are deserving such as yourself and Fred McGriff.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, Dave, I I as I saw that, I I I mean uh what can I say uh except that I'm excited for those guys. I I'd like to see Richie Allen in. I think he Yes, he Dick died. Allen. Dick Number Allen. One. Uh, yes. Uh Number 1 should have got in. I think he just missed uh yeah. I one think one it vote. Looks, looks good for him in the future. So yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, it's a it's a fascinating process, again, to watch, to see how the Hall of Fame people say, hey, you know, uh, what do you think? And I, I always say, I'm thankful the Hall of Fame did what they did. This has really given a lot of people a different perspective on our careers. Yeah. Uh, and it, I said, hey, I, I, I'm I not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I knew that, but I still got a shot. So uh, I'm thankful uh, that they're doing it this way. And we'll see. I think I'm up in two years. I, yeah, uh, I think. Uh, of course, you, you got to get on the ballot, which is is part of it, and then. But I, I got to share something. Uh, when I saw Gil Hodges' name, yeah. when I moved to when I moved to the uh, outfield, everybody said, "You know, Murph, I I don't know anybody who's gone from catcher to the outfield except Gil Hodges," and uh, and uh, maybe you know maybe there were others, but they, people always brought up Gil's name, and so I was, I think you know uh, we'll see. I got some comparables in there and uh you know we'll, we'll just see david i i'm i'm thankful that the hall of fame is considered a way of, of doing this eras that really focuses in on on different eras that, i guess that's the best way to say it so we'll see what yeah, happens
0: yeah i think it's a much better way of doing it because you can look and compare players to their era numbers to their era rather than looking at numbers cuz some numbers they're almost irrelevant comparing eras because the game changed so much, you know, there's been so many different right. changes to the game, the size of the height well, of the mound, it, everything. You right.
1: Know? That's going to have to happen in the future too, because we're not going to have 300 game winners.
0: Exactly. exactly. So, uh, uh
1: you know, you can't compare uh, past 300 game winners to dominant pitchers like a DeGrom. Right. Uh, he's probably case number one. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, this guy is a dominating pitcher, and and Kershaw. I don't know how many wins he's got two hundred or so. But you know, you, you, yeah, it, it's going to have to. It's going to have to be flexible as we move forward. So I'm thankful again for the, yeah. the chance to be considered.
0: Yeah, for people who aren't familiar with it yet, uh, the errors, There's four eras. Today's game, which is 1988 to the present. And, and and the era that you're in, if it overlaps between eras, it's the era that you were judged to make have had the most impact during your career. So the modern baseball era is 1970 to 87. So that's obviously Murph. Murph's era would be that because he won your two MVPs in that era, right? So your modern right. baseball era. Then there's the golden days. 1950 to 1969 and the early baseball, which is prior to 1950. We just did the two together golden days and early because, uh, you know, the pandemics that changed everything. And uh, so they did the two together, two, two eras together. Uh, and they folded the Negro leagues into it now for consideration again, long overdue. So now you're getting a lot of those guys finally get in more of those guys get in. Um, uh, now that their statistics are recognized as, as big league statistics are are, are right. They're comparable to big league statistics. So, uh, and coming up, you got, you're going to have today's game is next year for the class of 23. And then we'll have, and, and that'll be Fred McGriff, by the way, he would be considered uh, in yeah. that class. Yeah. So Fred yeah. could be considered next year. I mean, I, I just think it's criminal that Fred McGriff, at, pardon the pun, crime dog, uh, that Fred McGriff. <laughs> this is a guy that this is a guy that literally, without the strike, has 500 home runs. His yeah. numbers across the board. This is not a guy like with a low average or low OBP or didn't play every. It was a DH. He played first base almost primarily till the end till yeah. 40 and 30 home runs again and again and again. I I just don't. And he played on championship teams, so I don't see the knock. Why Fred McGriff, other than he moved around from team to team, so he's not identified. But I said this about Andrew Jones. If Fred McGriff had the career he had, and he spent most of it or all of it in New York, he's a, he's maybe first ballot Hall of Famer if he plays his whole career <laughs> yeah. with the Yankees. He might be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he didn't even get in on 10 ballots. Yeah, so
1: it's, it, a it, 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 it's a joke. It's a joke. Fred, <laughs> yeah, I, you said it you said it all. I, I, I'm shaking my head. Uh, hoping, hoping, yeah, for him because it, it to me it's a no brainer uh, for Fred and Andrew. Is yes. Andrew still on the present? Yeah, day? he's on the ra- he's, he's still he's still, on still got bow. a chance. He's still on the yeah, battle. Yeah. He's
0: got plenty. He's got plenty of years left, and he's got enough of a jump the last two years yeah, to really yeah. look as though he's got a real shot. Now yes, it might be yes. another three, four years before he gets real close, but I think right. he's got a real shot, and I think people. American. Finally recognizing what he did. I mean, I've had this debate. I debated it on MLB Network the other day. Uh, You know, Jason Stark, love him. He knows more about baseball than uh, almost anybody I know. But Jason said that he was on a committee and Andrew, uh, uh, guys like Andrew, what hurts them is they didn't do enough after age 30. And I'm like, but Andrew debuted at age 19. So if Andrew <laughs> yeah. debuts, if he debuts at age 23, then he doesn't fall off till age 34. And he played almost every day for 11 years. He played like yeah. 155 to 162 for 11 years, and really? won 10 straight Gold Gloves in that span, and hit for over 400 home runs. 10 straight Gold Gloves. Jeez. So I I I think uh, as analytics is getting so big now, I don't think anybody that goes back and looks at the importance of defense can say Andrew Jones is not a Hall of Famer. I don't care what the batting average is; oh, it ain't that low. <laughs> this is a guy that uh, you yeah. do it on both sides of the ball.
1: You ask you ask Maddox, Glav, and Smoltz, yeah, if he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I I think there's a number of people. Bobby Cox for one, I
0: think said he's the best center fielder they've ever seen Willie Mays said it okay well there you go (laughs) Willie Mays came up to him Andrew's talking to Terry Pendle. Terry Pendle told me this story Andrew uh, Willie is uh, Andrew's talking to TP before a game in San Francisco when Andrew's still playing Willie walks over and says Andrew you're the best I've ever seen says it to him Willie freaking Mays what? right then. that should have said, okay, <laughs> Hall of Fame. We got it. We don't need the yeah. vote. Well, Willie, <laughs> Mays <laughs> Willie Mays just said it. Willie Mays just said it.
1: By the way, number one player in Joe Posnanski's butt uh, is Willie. Willie? And, uh, yeah. Hard to argue. One.
0: I know yeah, I says Babe is. Ruth, but I, I don't think you could argue if you say Willie Mays or if you said Hank Aaron. I don't think anybody yeah. can argue. Yeah, you know?
1: absolutely. Willie was – anyway, that's – well, there you go. I got to get my – but who who said what straight? If Willie Mays said it,
0: came up to him on yeah, the field in San Francisco. I guess it would have been a candlestick and said, "You're the best I've yeah. ever
1: seen." Yeah. No. No. It'll happen. It'll happen, Fred. It'll so, happen.
0: So Fred's be considered for a class of 23 next year, and then uh, and then the modern era is the year after that. So that's you two years from now for the class of 24. You you can be back on the ballot and be considered. So I got my hopes yeah, up.
1: Thank you. Thank you, but thank you so much, David.
0: Unfortunately, Dick Allen, man, the way the way this thing is, the schedule that they have, he's going to have to wait five years. Well, he's not wait; he's, he's he's died now. But he's but he's not going to come up for consideration for five more years, and that's a shame because he's so close now yeah. one one vote away. You look yeah, at this guy's that's... career; I just don't understand. This guy was a dominant player for five, six years at least, and for a decade he was a great player.
1: Oh man, I used to watch him on TV as a kid. I'm
0: like. How how big is that bat?
1: Yeah, <laughs> how much does it weigh? And then he just he just you know he uh, he was he 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 also had some swagger. I mean oh yeah, loved it. He looked he looked good in a uni.
0: Yeah, and the shit he had to do with the racism and all that and oh, being disrespected because because he wouldn't acquiesce. He wouldn't suck up to people. He said what was on his mind. Nowadays, people would love that. that he would be a huge yeah. hit in the game nowadays, but back yeah. then, it would get you blackballed, you know? Yeah. He, would be, yeah. he would be celebrated now for the swagger and the personality he brought to the game. And nowadays, un- unfortunately, guys back then, especially black guys back then, were shunned for it. It sucks. So, Absolutely. anyway... Uh, I think uh, I think we're coming around and getting a better Hall of Fame improving it all the time. Uh, I, the people that say you know sh- that are small haulers I'm like okay I want a small Hall of Fame too if it just means only having elite players in but those elite players need to be in because they've let a few players in that were not elite you know that might have played for the right team the right time and, and had great relationships with the writers or whatever get the right. great best players to belong in, in the Hall of Fame period.
1: Right. So, and and uh, again, it's, it's, uh, this era committee was well thought out. I mean, it obviously gives me another chance, so I like it, but it is, <laughs> it's, 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 it's uh, uh, just to see what's happening with the old timers, the, yeah. the golden era and, uh, before that and, and the Negro leagues. I mean, yeah, it's about time. I right. mean, it's way, way overdue.
0: He's an icon there in Kansas City, but around baseball, yeah. there's never been a better ambassador for the game beyond what yeah. he did on the field. So I, yeah, I think absolutely. it's great that they're finally recognizing these guys and getting guys in that uh, that some some insist were as good as any as any big leaguers ever. It's, you know the new, the best Negro yeah, League oh, players. So, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: So it's cool. It's cool what they're doing. It's cool the improvements we're seeing in the game. So uh, and 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 just speaking to it, how important is it? you hate seeing these guys get voted in after they're dead and gone. And, and you know, I can't appreciate it because man, what it would have done for Buck O'Neill to see it, to be, able, oh. to be able to see it happen. You know, it would have just been so cool to see him because he gave that speech when he, when he introduced them the first Negro league hall of famers that were inducted, he gave that speech, that memorable yeah. speech where he said, the crowd singing at Cooperstown. Yeah. So to see him go in, man, you, you want to see guys go in while they're alive, man. Don't let it be like Dick Allen and go in after they're dead, you know. It's just so much more. But Ron Santo, you know.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I I texted. <laughs> I texted Nance. I said, hey, you know, it's kind of interesting to see who goes in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, they're dead, but I, I, I got a shot. <laughs> and, and I, I said, Nancy, I, I, I might have to die, Nance. Uh, and she says, well, well, don't do that. You know, it was, it was kind of funny. And it, is, it it is. I, I it is sad. It's good. And they're honoring him. But I couldn't agree with you more uh, to, to, to work this out, uh, you know, uh, while the guys are living. And uh, let them celebrate.
0: Hey Murph, last thing before we go, um, because I've seen this come up a few times about uh um uh, when they when they talk about Freddie Freeman might not get re signed and and somebody said, you know, Sheraltz wouldn't let that happen. Oh, Sheraltz is the guy who traded Murphy. Well he didn't trade you, Bobby Cox did. Yeah. But yeah. for the record, could you explain to people why you didn't really get screwed at all? You don't view it as you got screwed. You thought it was time to when you did get traded, right? You agreed with it at the time. Yeah. Is that am I am I correct uh, there? Right.
1: In, in a nutshell, exactly. It was uh, it was 1990. We were struggling and I had been struggling my last couple of years before then. I mean, 87, I had a good year, 88, 89 and going into 90. So I was going to be a free agent in 91. And so I told Bobby, who was GM and manager at the time, I just went into his office said, Bobby, Nancy and I, we've, we've decided it. It's just time. I've been here. I've had a great experience, uh, but I'm going to be a free agent next year. I said, but if there's a trade, uh, you know, if you want to explore a trade, I'll, I'll certainly consider it. And so, yes, I was I was looking at, David, just to reemphasize, I was looking at being a free agent at 34 with not having two previous good years to when the Phillies said, we'll take Murph and sign him to an extension of a year. Right. Or no, a, a couple of years. So I was like, "No, it Boys. worked out." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, "I, I don't want to go on the free agent market." The Phillies right. have just extended me, and they want me, and they they think I got something left. And uh, so, no, it worked out well because I was looking at at that decision is who knows what I would have got. I, I but the Phillies were like, "We'll take Murph. We're going to extend it, uh, extend his contract. I think two years." And I was like dang, after the years I've had in 88, 89 and at my age, I'm going to, I'm going to jump at this. So, uh, no, it did work out well, but it is a little confusing because all the Braves fans saw Braves trade Murphy. And I, I have to explain it. I thought I explained it back then, but people just are passionate and they, they, they don't understand it just wasn't the ability to go behind the scenes and explain to everybody. Uh, so that's Our what social happened. media. So, no, you it worked. could have set it in a post
0: social media yeah, post now if it happened.
1: It, it worked out for me. No, no yeah. question about it. It was, uh, you, you know, it, it, it was good. But yeah, the, uh, so again, getting back to the Freddie situation, I think Freddie's in a situation where he's he's going to look good no matter what happens. I mean, yeah, that, that that not that you worry about that too much, but you do kind of worry about your legacy and things how 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 things are handled professionally. That's yeah. You want to do it right, and uh, uh, but the uh, Braves never mistreated me in any way or threw me into Philadelphia. That was a decision of mine and Nancy's, yeah. and and again to reiterate, I had a great experience in Philadelphia. It's a great place to play. I didn't play that well, but it is a it's a passionate sports town, and I had a good experience.
0: And, and Freddie, for the people out there, I hate when I see people. Turn they see Freddie is asking for six years and 180 million. The Braves offered five years and 135. Well, if Freddie's going to hold out for the biggest money, then let him go. We can replace him. That that sucks because Freddie is the last guy. Freddie said was more open about wanting to stay than I've ever seen any player be open about. And he was saying it more than a year ago. He was saying, "I want to resign here. Hopefully, he will get it." And I really think if the Braves had made him a fair offer a year ago he would have signed for a lot less than he can get now, a lot less than he can get now from another team. So, and when you start negotiations, well, of course you're going to start at six years, 180 million. When you look at what other players are making now, Freddie's still in the prime of his career. He's just the MVP last year, you know, uh, uh, 30 million a year is, is fair for Freddie, what he is. So even if, even if, and even if he doesn't get that, that's where you're going to start negotiations. You're not going to start at 150. you know? Yeah. So, so, but, but I, I hate seeing anybody speak poorly about Freddie because he's the last guy to to hold the Braves to the grindstone and, and squeeze every last dollar out of them that he could. It's not, it's not him, and yeah. uh, you know he's 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 the one that took all the risks this year, playing without a contract, without a, uh, you know going to free agency. He could have blown his ACL, his uh, ACL out like Cunha did. Then, where is Freddie sitting right now? You know, yeah. or his or his Achilles? You know. Uh, yeah. So he's the one, I, he's the only one that took him the risk this year, not the team. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And he's played under a pretty, pretty friendly
1: contract his whole career. So, uh, right.
0: It was a very fair contract when they gave it to him. He right. outperformed it like crazy the last four or five years. Right. Yep. Right.
1: So, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's going to, uh, I, uh, unf- I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Uh, cause I love Freddie. I love the Braves. And, uh, this is one of those situations it's going to be fascinating to watch cuz yeah uh it, it it's just going to be interesting and uh but I think we can all agree that both sides are you know good people and they're not going to yeah. be underhanded it's no one's trying to make over yeah. on anybody it's it is business uh it's it's big big big
0: And and, and Alex, I think uh, I think people I think most people understand, too. This isn't Alex saying I'm not going to give Freddie a dime more than Alex is a good dude who's doing what he can with the budget that he has. And he's trying to look at it as I still have to do this, this and this. If they sign Freddie, it's going to push the budget up around 170. And you still got some other needs that you have to fill. Not a lot, but you got some. So yeah. he's got to be smart about it and he's got to look down the line too, you know. Uh, you know, because right. no he has no idea what his budget's gonna be eight years six years from now. Yeah. So uh he's working within what he's given. So I don't blame him at all. Uh lot easier,
1: easier to be a GM uh, in other cities oh are- yeah, like <laughs> the Dodgers, yeah. like his buddies yeah. with the
0: Dodgers, knowing that yeah. you're always gonna be at the very top of the payroll. Right. 250 right, right. and by in another five years be 350 probably so, yeah yeah. It's
1: easier. yeah yeah
0: all right hey murph man it was great having you thank you so much for Absolutely. giving us the time you did and uh hopefully we're talking about you in the hall of fame a couple oh, of years from now you, man
1: Rick. thank you so much eric and, and david always love to be on with you guys like i could i could keep going so have me on again and uh well, I think we'll have a lot to talk about here coming up. Yeah, uh, pretty soon. Yeah, we get you sure. on here with
0: Michael Kelly, and we could talk about uh, the Sopranos. And uh, did you yeah. see that one? Yeah. It was great, man. Yeah, I, and <laughs> I was, was a different one.
1: Michael, we didn't hook up during the uh, during the playoffs, but he says, "Hey, I'm here. Uh, you know where are you at?" And it was as you get, it's no, it's chaotic. Yes. I think it was the World Series actually so so much chaos but it was a madness yeah. man. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to I'd love to come on and uh, with him and He's be hardcore. Fun. Be fun. He's a hardcore yes, he fan. Is. Yes, he is.
0: All right, that's it. 755 is real and we are out. Thanks everybody.